Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode. One of the more downloaded episodes of this podcast, in fact, I'll just say it, the number one downloaded uh, episode is a, an episode we did some time back about making small talk and having conversation. And it got me thinking that maybe this is, well, data says it, uh, a topic of interest. So let's do it one more time, maybe from a different angle. Add more to it. Give more content, more techniques, and more food for thought about conversation. After all, I mean, the title of this podcast is Talking Together, right? So let's get into it. Conversation. What is it? Let's think about that for a second. We'll think about what it is. What makes it so daunting, challenging? What is it really that we're trying to achieve? And how can we get better at it? So let's start with the idea of conversation. I think a great way to think about conversation is it's like a cycle that's taking place, right? It's a bi-directional cycle. Right. It's going from, let's just imagine two people. One is speaking. The other is listening. The other is listening. The other is saying, saying something back. Maybe they start speaking. It's a different topic. And now the other person becomes the listener. Right. And so the back and forth continues. This is sort of a modified version of something that used to be called the trans, the transmission model of communication. Kind of like the best uh, real-life analogy for it is a tennis match, right? Or a ping-pong match, as you prefer. The ball that's being hit back and forth, that represents the various messages that's going back and forth. And, of course, you have the two players. And they are whoever started, whoever served, right, In a, a, to use the, the, tor- the term in the sports, whoever served begins the conversation, everything before that first shot, that first serve, there's quiet, right? There's no movement. There's no dynamism. There's no activity. The moment I I serve the ball and, I, and we start the game of tennis, now it's up to the other person to respond, to fire back. They can take an attacking response. They can take a defensive response. They can try to force the response, win the match, win the round. Or we can just have a comfortable game of tennis. And all we're doing is making sure the ball goes over the net and reaches the other side so the other person can hit it back. And I don't know if you've ever played tennis or ping pong. Sometimes people will play it that way. They they don't really care about winning points so much as having a tennis game back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And of course, this translates to all kinds of games, uh, be it hitting a ball uh, in the baseball park or kicking a ball back and forth on the soccer field and so on. The point is that you can take two angles to a conversation. It's competitive, where you're having arguments, trying to convince each other of one idea being correct and other ideas not so being, not, not being quite that correct. Whereas other people have a more cooperative, 
immersive and, uh, shall we say, responsive approach to communication. It's really about, okay, well, you say some things, and I'll listen to you, and I'll say some things, and you listen to me, and we both end up saying what we need to say and hearing the other side, and we are richer and better for it. So you've got cooperative and participative on the one side and competitive and argumentative on the other. Okay. But that's as far as the dynamics of it go. I think, I think, you know, let's spend a little bit more time about what, what, what makes people, uh, concerned, right? About having a conversation. Well, let's, let's, let's put it uh, very simply. How familiar are you with the person you're trying to speak with? The more familiar you are, the rules of the game are known to you. Just like when we were talking just now about tennis. The moment I say tennis, even if you've not played it very much, you have a general idea. You know, there's a court, there's some lines, there's a ball, there's rackets, there's a scoreboard, and, and you have to hit it over the net into the marked lines. So in other words, the rules of the game are known to you. Okay. So there's the context and situation. The rules of the game are known to you. Now, you might be in a tennis tournament, right? So the rules of the game are known to you, but you might have different players you haven't played against. So now you have a little bit of uncertainty. Even though the game is known to you, the player is not. And every player plays a little bit differently. Some are more aggressive, some are not. So what we're looking at here is what are all the knowns and what are all the unknowns in the scenario? And the more you have unknowns and you can, you know, when you're thinking about a conversation, an important conversation, it's not a bad thing to plan it out a little bit. The more there are unknowns, the more things are worrying you. Write them down and ask yourself, okay, if this comes up, how am I going to uh, respond to it? If this comes up, how am I going to respond to it? I mean, think about a job interview, right? Perhaps the most nerve-wracking, common example of a conversation that stresses people out. Job interview. Think about, and, and let's pick apart the job interview as a great example of what makes conversation so difficult. First of all is the unknowns. You've probably not met this person before. Maybe some emails in modern day. You've coordinated time and place. You know their name. You might have looked them up online. And so you have a picture. Okay, good. This is what they look like. And uh, you may have spoken on the phone, right? Uh, and bottom line, you have at least a passing familiarity with who this person is, what their name is. Whether you like them or not, or you're compatible or not, are you going to be friendly with them or not? And if you've done your research on the company and the job in question, right, sticking with the job interview analogy, you may be more comfortable, especially if, let's say, for instance, a friend told you about it or an acquaintance works at that company. So again, we come back to knowns and unknowns. So the more you have unknowns, the more stressful it is, the more formal it is. And the more structured it is, it's not a bad thing, right? It just means there are certain rules we need to play by and be mindful of so that we score more points, just like in a sport or a game, and get a better chance of a positive outcome. What else? Sticking with the analogy, right? Because I feel it really does fit. An interview has a goal in mind. Simple enough. You want the job, right? Or at least you want to pass the first interview. Maybe there's multiple interviews in the series 
and you're trying to get to round one, round two, round three, and final, and then hopefully get a positive uh, email congratulations, if you're fortunate. So there's something at stake, win, lose. There's not really much of a draw, right, in interview, in a scenario, it's really win or lose. Um, they might say, we'll, we'll call you back if there's anything, but I mean, you've lost the opportunity that was in front of you. So the stakes, what is at stake? Okay. Now that might be, you might, you might as the listener be wondering and you might say, well, okay, Arjun, I mean, that's very true about job interviews, but what about just every day? I kind of know people and I kind of feel like there is some common ground. We, we sort of know each other. Oh, so-and-so has kids. So-and-so lives in that city. So-and-so grew up in the same hometown as me. Um, so-and-so enjoys football. You know, there's a game on Sunday, right? So you're already kind of answering your own questions. You think about this, right? There, there is some amount of information that hopefully you've been able to collect over a period of time working with these people that you call your coworkers, your colleagues, and you can touch upon it um, and say, hey, you know, great game. Uh, you know, your, your team did pretty well on Sunday. And the other person gets a chance to chime in, um, probably share some excitement or disappointment if it didn't go exactly how they wanted. But at least they get an opening. So the big aha here is conversation doesn't have to necessarily be very deep and very, very personalized. It can be slightly superficial just to get the ball moving. And as we commonly say, to break the ice. Okay. So it takes one person, just like it takes one person to serve the first shot in a game of tennis. It takes one person to say the first thing. Okay. Take the risk, get the momentum going, get the activity happening. And uh, ultimately, um, other people are more happy to just respond and stay in the game. But it's fine if you, the person, the intrepid adventurer who's trying to learn some communication skills, you make the first move. There's no harm in it. Puts you in control. Gives you the chance to show that you're confident and that you're willing to take a risk. And maybe that's the other aha. All conversation, all communication carries a certain amount of risk. Because what you might say, it could work, it could not work. Or you might get a short response and you're back to the awkward silence that you're trying to break away from. Maybe you'll try a second time, or maybe you'll try next time, but a different angle. Okay. So let's think about what are some approaches. Like, like we were saying a few moments ago, uh, moments ago, uh, there's information you have about other people favorite sports, if they like sports, um, uh, family stuff, travel. Uh, less personal would be things like the weather uh, or, shall we say, special uh, occasions that are coming up. Say it's the holiday season towards the end of the year or Independence Day, depending where you live. And uh, other kinds of, you know, occasions that... Uh, such as the good and always ready to talk about the weekend here in the US, especially. We love talking about the weekend because people try and take some opportunity to get out of the house, get out of the routine and, uh, you know, recharge before the work week begins again on Monday. 
So those are sort of our options, right? What it comes down to really is our ability to be mindful and be in the moment, be aware that there's a situation, be aware of the level of formality that exists. The more you know people, the more you're comfortable with them, the less formal it is. What is what is at stake? Ask yourself that. Is it um, high stakes job interview situation, right? Lot, lots is on the line. Oh, and and uh, finally ask yourself, um, are uh, you know what what's stopping you from taking that first step? Sometimes, and I'll tell you honestly, you just need to get on the bicycle and give it a try. Maybe you fall and you scrape your knee. It's okay. Let's dust ourselves off, pick it up, get back on the bike, give it one more try. And maybe the second or third time, you won't fall off the bike, you won't scrape your knee. And that's when you see the effort to reward ratio even out a bit. And that will give you the encouragement you need to try it again the next time. Some people, and, and uh, a lot of us had a family member or two that could do this, that they would just keep a, um, a, a joke handy. And it's not everybody's thing, so no pressure. And humor is subjective. Some people laugh at certain things and some people don't. But humor is always a good one. So some folks might ask, what's a joke you could tell? I would say stay, stay, keep the joke in the same topic parameters as all conversation. You can talk about sports. You can talk about weather. You can talk about family. Um, you can talk about something contextual to the work and say, well, you know, if the coffee machine uh, worked today, it would be it, it would be a question of when, how many days it's is it working versus it's not working, right? And the idea being, if everybody's already contextualized and they're aware that the coffee machine is frequently broken, it, they might crack a smile at that kind of reference, right? But you stay within the same parameters. You don't want to go and upset people's uh, preferences and interests too much. So without, with that all being said, let's try and summarize a little bit about conversation. The first thing is all conversation is inherently risky and somebody needs to make the first move. May as well be us because we're the ones focused on communication skills. Somebody has to make the first move. May as well be us. The second thing to remember is, you know, it's a roll of the dice. It's a roll of the dice. You might have a successful response and you sometimes you might not. The third thing to remember is people love to talk about their interests and people love to be asked questions. So sometimes the best conversationalist is the person who themselves speaks the least, but provokes and engages conversation the most. And if I was going to leave you with any thought, I think that would be it. That if you really want to make great small talk, if you really want to be a great conversationalist, it's the willingness to take the risk. It is the ability to know just enough about your colleagues that they feel you remember the things they talk about, about their family, their interests, their, um, their, their goings about and so on. But most importantly, that it appears that you're interested in them and what happens to them and you're willing to listen to them 
talk about themselves. That's how you become a good conversationalist. You become good at listening to other people talk about themselves. And most importantly, you make sure they remember or that they acknowledge that you remember what they said. And that's it for this week, everyone. Have a lovely weekend. I'll see you next time.